Oh, hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast, episode 323. Joining us this week, a uh, recurring guest, one of my favorite people in the history of the podcast, our good friend Malik Gale is back once again. Hey, listen, that new Kanye album's out. I needed someone to talk to about it. There was no one else. There was nobody else I could reach out to. He's the man I had to reach out to for this new Kanye album, which is pretty good. Uh, also this week, we're going to talk about uh, I mean, we're going to talk a lot about music. I didn't mean to, but we ended up talking a lot about music. Uh, we'll talk very briefly about pierogies and Jake Paul and Ed Asner and Kanye West, obviously. We'll do some uh, some gardening, some local gardening update tips. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about food squares, which is quite a look. And we'll go all the way back to that magical year of 1994. Uh, all that, folks, and so much more on another episode of the Uticast. As always, we are happy to have you here. Oh, oh, oh yes. We just we did the six year anniversary just recently. I feel like yeah. So I don't know how many were. How long somewhat been. recently. Somewhat yeah. recently. I gotta, I gotta go back and look at the beginning of summer. Sometime beginning, around June is July. Yeah, yeah. it's about right. Uh, episode three hundred and twenty three. Joining us this week, our good friend, current guest, my favorite podcaster, Malik Gale. He's back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always feel bad when I talk to him. I'm always like, I'm sorry that I just need you to come in and be yourself for like an hour. I know you're busy being yourself on your own podcast. All the time. Never turns <laughs> off. Uh, we didn't talk about it on the podcast, and I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here when I say it. Because uh, I didn't bring it up because you folks can't see the video that I see when we're doing the interview. Sure. My man is, uh, he's been working out, whatever. He's lost like 25 pounds. He's oh, looking, no shit. Good looking, for him. Looking buff. Looking Good for swole. Him. Good for swollen. Him. He's not going to like that I called him Buffer Swollen. Oh, whatever, man. Always happy to see people prospering, put in that work. Good for him. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, we didn't have gym talk, though. We didn't have a session of gym talk. Oh, you the... didn't hit him with your gym talk? We didn't have gym talk. I've had gym... I had a little gym talk with the last few people who've been on Oh, here. yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a new corner for you. It's the new gym like, corner, yeah. Ryder Solo gym corner. Uh, so, yeah. There we go. Thanks for Malik for coming in. Uh, and as always, I... Planned to call him in for a short amount of time, and he stayed for a long amount of time. Mm-hmm. We talked a lot about the new Kanye West, really, so it mm-hmm. felt topical, felt the time was right. Have you listened to the new Kanye? I haven't. I was gonna, I was gonna ask your thoughts about it later on, but if you haven't listened to it, there's no point. Um, right. I guess I'll say this, like as a guy who, because you, you're in the same era as me, as like Kanye. That first Kanye album comes out in 2004. We're like right, right in our like mm-hmm. glory days of high school, end sure. of high school. Yeah, I graduated yeah, yeah. 04, so that's my senior yeah, year. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I'm always sort of tied to... I feel like you. I was there from the beginning, mm-hmm. from the Kanye cycle. So I feel very, like, right. connected to the Kanye arc, you know, regardless of his crazy nonsense. Yeah. Uh, and I think this album is good? Okay. Question mark? Like, I, that's sort of where I find myself at. Like, I, it's good. It feels like it's good. Okay. He's due. He's a little due. A little due. A little due. The last due. two were not so good. I didn't... I like Life of Pablo. I'll stand part. Life of Pablo. Pablo's unfinished. 
Yes. That's the problem that's with fair. Life of Pablo is it's like 80% done. Uh, so, yeah, and that's a fair point. Uh, I think the parts that I like on Pablo, I really like. And then mm-hmm. the rest of it does feel a little scattershot. And I think that's my issue with this album. It feels like, Kev, you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about. This new Kanye album feels a lot like the current Los Angeles Lakers. Like, everyone has some nitpick or some, like, criticism mm. about, like, some detail. Like, oh, I don't know about this. And then at the end of the day, they're like, oh, yeah, but they'll probably end up in first place and win the title. Right? Mm. Like, People will have nitpicks about this, and it'll probably go on to do really well, and people will like it. Right? You know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, for all the critiques, it's people will still end up listening to this, and it'll be more successful than the last two, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think you're probably right about that. So. Certainly wishing for continued success to the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, everybody's always got a take. Everybody's always got something to say. Mm. But, you know, we well, all know why. Well, Kanye specifically, I think... Hot take culture loves to jump in on Kanye because he's such a character, right? Like he's such a yeah, a, and like he he says and does a lot of like dumb and also yeah. bad things. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the, he's he's an iconoclast for a reason in a mm. way that people like that rarely kind of exist anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I just hope from everything we've seen from the last bunch of years of the guy, I hope that he's like got his um his mental stuff under control. Yeah. It can be tough, you know mm. what I mean? And I can't imagine what it's like. With that kind of lifestyle and that kind yeah. of um, access to people who would be more than happy to just say yes to you and do whatever you want to do. Uh, so hopefully, you know, I just hope the man's all right, really. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Malika actually got into a discussion about that, about the discussion of Kanye West while having to, you know, be aware of, like, the mental component, like, the mental health issue that's always underlying when discussing Kanye and his weird behavior. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so we got into that as well. Um I'll ask you a question that I asked him, though, because I was thinking about it from, from our perspective as guys in the mid-30s. Because I asked him where he's finding new music these days. Kim, where do you find new music in 2021 if you want to find something new? Um, well, if that can be, it can be twofold. Number one, a lot of Spotify. Spotify, Spotify. is really, yeah. really good for exploring. It's a really easy mm-hmm. format to dig out and be like, oh, I like this band, so let me check out the top songs from three of their albums and throw them on a playlist to put it in the car this week. And yeah. Oh, I like this band a lot. I didn't really know about this band. Let me look at their other like associated artists or whatever and that kind of thing. And Spotify is pretty good to discover weekly. Um, but also I find myself, does it count when you discover quote unquote new music if you're discovering old stuff for the first time? Sure. You know what I mean? Because I think sure, why not? I think that's driven probably a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. That can be um I don't know, I feel like as I've dug into more of getting back up on my horse with my craft as a musician, I think that that has pushed me into discovering a lot of older stuff, right? Like as a bass player, I'll use like Earth, Wind & Fire, for example. Sure. When I was 25 years old, I couldn't give a damn about Earth, Wind & Fire. Mm-hmm. I knew some of the songs like mm-hmm. everybody did, you know what I mean? And now, like as somebody who's had to learn some of those songs, I went on to learn a bunch more because Verdian White's one of the best bass players you know, to ever mm-hmm. do it. That's a band that I have a lot more enjoyment and respect for now that I might be inclined to just throw on a bunch of and listen to of my own accord as I get older. So that stuff just comes from like digging, never stop digging into the music culture at large. I mean, when we were younger, I guess the practical effects version of like doing that would be like finding a CD from a band you like and reading the liner notes and looking at the bands that they reference in the liner notes. It's like a very specific... Kind of. It was more... It was just more fed to us then. You know what I mean? Back then, it was there was the one radio station, right? So, like, in, two, in 1998, if you wanted... If you're interested in a new yeah. band, you'd turn on K-Rock. Or maybe, mm-hmm. like, MTV, and there'd be, like, a late-night, like, rock show or something yeah. like that you might get it from. And then from that age old, you know, if you go to a lot of shows, you might go and see an opening band and be like, oh... 
oh, who are these guys? I'm into this band now, too, that I had no idea I liked so-and-so, but I saw them open for whoever, and now I'm into them. When we started doing the uh, the mixtapes mm-hmm. on here for the show, which, much like everything we always do on the show, it started off as like something I was like, yeah, we'll just do it once, and then just became a normal thing that we did every week. Right. Uh, I think uh, what I was doing for a while is I would go to Reddit, and I would go to the Listen to This subreddit, mm. where people just post stuff. Yeah. And I would sort by top hits of the week. Right. Right. And I would just go through and look at what the most popular things on there for mm-hmm. the week were and see if any of it sort of sat in my like wheelhouse. So I was like, oh, that's interesting and that's kind of cool. Yeah. You don't always find something brand new there. So that's There's something... definitely some good, uh, good threads and veins to mine if you want to go digging on Reddit. If you start looking in places where people ask questions, like even like an Ask Reddit and like search something somebody like oh who's the most underrated band or artist that you love that people don't know about or like what's a song that you think is perfect that nobody else seems to know and a lot of times people on there will be like oh i took all the answers in this thread and i compiled a spotify playlist Mm -hmm. so i'll subscribe to a lot of those and i'll be like all right well this is a playlist of 75 songs Mm -hmm. that somebody out there cares enough to post on the internet about and be like i think this song is perfect and this band doesn't get enough recognition. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess it just, you can find music in various avenues. Depends on, we don't, I'm not on TikTok, so I don't find music on TikTok. I'm, I can only find that on the platforms I'm on. So I think the kind, the common thread I think here is that, uh, is, is lays in the word find. Where yeah. do you find new music? You have to go find it. Mm-hmm. It's no longer, mm-hmm. it's not like it's been, you know, for a long time where it's more like if you're just existing the culture, the music will come to you, right? Like, yeah. I, no matter how old you were in 1991, you were going to hear Nirvana. Nobody had to tell you. You didn't have to go find out about Nirvana. You didn't have to go see what Nirvana was about, see anything like that. It was coming for you. It's interesting because I had to find out about Pearl Jam even though I knew they existed. Because for a long time... They come on, you're time. they're ahead of your time now. But I was in on Nirvana and I was in on like music. You guys listened to it. I just wasn't... For a long time, I just didn't want to be into it. You know what I'm saying? I yeah, knew yeah, that sure, sure. I knew that Pearl Jam existed, and mm-hmm. I knew that I probably knew some of their songs, but for whatever reason, I just chose not to engage think, for years. I think that happens with tons of bands. I think people. I, I think we were just having that conversation <laughs> with a friend of ours the other day, um, who's now an avowed deadhead. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, there's a lot of bands when you're younger, you're a little more defensive of your music taste as a personality trait. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot of like, well, I don't like that band, and I'm not even going to listen to that band, but I, I know I don't like them because I'm not the kind of guy that likes Pearl Jam or the Grateful Dead or whoever it might be, you know what I mean? And I think as we get older, it's a little bit more like, oh, wait a minute, you know what I mean? Like, this is, I like this, and this is mm-hmm. just what it is. But a lot of times it's exposure, too. Like, if you had only heard Pearl Jam from what you hear on the radio, so you'd only heard, like, a live black, even flow, Jeremy, maybe Better Man... It might not be the band for you, but then you might go buy no code or verses and get your doors blown off. You know what I mean? I've probably told this story before. I didn't get into Pearl Jam until you and I were driving back from something in Rochester. You had the old Eddie Bauer. We played in Geneseo. We played in Geneseo, and you had the Ford Explorer, mm-hmm. the Bauer edition. Shout out to that car. Oh, yeah. Killer. Every day of my life. Every day. Um, and I forget what happened. Like I think either you were tired you were like, hey, do you mind if, like, I take a nap while I drive the car? Mm-hmm. I forget. I don't remember exactly what the circumstances was that I was driving your car and yeah, you were yeah. taking a nap. If we were in Geneseo and we were with Nick Vasali, I might have been drunk. 
And I might have been sober because I was probably. Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. you were like, "No, nah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hang, I'm gonna hang back." Uh, regardless, there I had a pretty long drive back, listening to all of your Pearl Jam CDs in the Pearl Jam CD booklet. Right. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I sort of like, you know, I, I I essentially crammed Pearl Jam on a drive from mm-hmm. Rochester to Utica. What was? Do you remember what the first thing was with Pearl Jam that stuck out to you outside of like what you thought you knew about them, or what was the first thing you're like, "Oh, this is for me." Uh, you know why? Because it felt like my sister's band. Because my older sister That's liked right. Pearl Jam. And Pearl Jam felt mm-hmm. like something my older sister liked. And my older sister also liked Guns N' Roses mm-hmm. and Skid Row. And, you know, sure, like yeah, all yeah. that kind of fucking hair rock and shit. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I-, I felt like maybe it wasn't for me. Right. Uh, you know, it was not for you, as Eddie Vedder would say. Um, <laughs> but Vasali and you liked it. So, mm-hmm. I think that was probably the first, like, you know, the first, um... Wrecking ball into the wall. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a lot of social credit in uh, getting bands passed along. Like, I certainly know some people who are like, oh, you should check this out, and I will take their recommendation much more I seriously mean, than other people who say it to me. I'll put it this way. Mm-hmm. After I knew that our friend here, who came to visit us, was going to see the Grateful Dead, I said, eh. No, maybe I'm a Grateful Dead maybe guy. Maybe I listen to a little bit of Grateful Dead. I see. Maybe. I don't know. I see. I don't know. Just say it. Look at this. Don't, no one text me about it. No one talk to me about it. I don't need any assistance this. in this trip, by the way. No one. Now I know. Yeah. Now I know. I mean, it was always him and the other one. They just stole all my stuff from them. Mm. Uh, that's the other one, too. Stealing your music from people you think have better taste in music than you. That's an important one. Uh, sometimes, a people, really... uh, sometimes people do. And you just got to be open-minded enough to pick it up and be like, yeah. oh, wait a minute. This <laughs> yeah. is like... Uh, like, here's the thing, I'm I'm aware that GFOP Tim Schramm has a more broad, interesting taste in music than me. So when he brings me something, I'm more likely to listen to it. Always. Doesn't mean I'm going to yeah, like yeah. it, but I'm more than likely to listen to it because he told me to. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, that's so. exactly what it is. When you trust somebody's musical opinion, you're more likely yeah. to take a swing on it. Uh, all right, so 12 and a half minutes about music. We did nothing. See? Yeah, we, listen, <laughs> musicians at heart, man. Uh, let's blast through a couple stories here this week. I have one more music thing, but we'll do it at the end of the show. Um... So, big local news this week. The Utica Polish Community Club held their annual Polish Day celebration Mm. this weekend, including their notable pierogi eating contest. Mm. Uh, The winner. That was last weekend. Well, we didn't talk about it last weekend, so we're talking about it today. The winner, Jason, I'm sorry, John Harmon Jr., who mm. ate 26 pierogies in three minutes. Mm. Only two behind the all-time record held by Jason Narolis of Rome, who ate 28 in three minutes. It was close. Mm. couple things, Kev. Uh, how many pierogies do you think you could eat in three minutes under these circumstances? Um... Uh... As always, like with some qualifying questions, I suppose. Uh, what, how, like, what kind of flavor are these? Like sauerkraut pierogies, potato, like and, potato cheese. and cheese. Okay, potato, so potato and cheese, cheese. pierogi. How hot? Probably moderately. Moderate. I would say lukewarm to moderate. Can you eat more than one at a time? Hmm. Oh, you mean like double them up? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you could. I feel like that would be detrimental. Less than these guys, either, because the three 26. minutes. If you said how many can you eat until you drop, obviously that number is higher. But in three minutes, that's pretty crazy. I'm not much of a. Three minutes is one of those times it's both longer and shorter than you think it is. Yeah. It's longer than you think it is if you have to hold your head underwater. It's shorter than you think it is if you have to eat as many pierogies as possible. For sure. So it's a weird number. For sure. You might get down to your third pierogi and be like, I have a minute left. How? What happened? Oh. Right? Uh,. So I don't Is that know. guy coming back with the mustard or not? Yeah, what's the story? Uh, I I 
respect to this guy for doing 26 in three minutes. I will always, anytime that I ever, and I'm sure we've talked about it in the show before, and I do not care, because anytime a story about competitive eating comes up, I will sing the praises of Mr. Riley, uh-huh. Big Jeff Riley, at the Maiden Utica Handshake City for like that hot dog eating contest. Everybody gathered around, and everybody's like getting ready for strategies to bang down 100 hot dogs, and that man just took a long weekend that he was done, he sat down, he slowly ate a hot dog while everybody was just jeering and cheering and going nuts and just did his thing. That's what I'm doing. At the, the pierogi competition, give me two to three pierogies, a little bit of kielbasa, leave me be. And this is the annual part of this story where people tell this story and then I get frustrated because this was my bit that was stolen from me by Jeff Riley. <laughs> I've been talking about this for years. That's the move. You just go there and casually enjoy five or six pierogies in three minutes and you're good to go. Great minds think alike. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, you can case that more similar than you like to think. Apparently. Good uh, also, big uh, big energy award for, uh, for Mr. Harmon. It says after his three minutes were up, he continued to eat the pierogies and was seen chowing down a kielbasa sandwich less than a half an hour after the mm. contest. Uh, and he was drinking beer during the contest as opposed to just water. So right. he, my man was going in. I love it. I respect oh, it. Man. Powerful. Any, I, anytime you're remotely worried about like your digestive tract or any kind of thing, yeah. you're like, oh, <laughs> you know, what am I? What kind of damage have we done? You just look at these people. It's like, but how are you? How are you alive? You know what I mean? Like, if I had four beers and like some pierogies and kielbasa, I'd be done there. I'm full. Where are you putting it? Uh, do you want to give any time at all to your thoughts on the Jake Paul Tyron Woodley fight from last night? Uh, boxers boxed. Uh, Did, Okay, I'll ask you this question. Did, were you more or less impressed with Jake Paul after watching him fight Tyrone Woodley last night? Completely even. It was about halfway through the fight that I realized, after you told me it was not the same fella who fought Floyd Mayweather. It is not. It I is genuinely right. did not, yep. like, I don't really delineate in my head. Mm-hmm. I'm like one of the, you know, blonde Paul boxer guys. Um, he, what I was thinking about when I was watching, it was basically just like, he's obviously like an amateur new boxer, but mm-hmm. because of his fame and platform, he's finding a way to get paid. That is correct. For these wild tune-up fights that most guys would normally be having in, in you know, yeah. Cut, Cuddy's boxing gym in Baltimore. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's <laughs> right, just right. like, so. The only thing I want to give him credit for, the only thing. Sure. I think he's a jerk, and I think he's like a clown. Yeah. I'm... But all the guys who get on these cards get paid like crazy. And if you know anything about the way, like, UFC or, like, even below the UFC guys get paid for the amount of, like, effort and athletic ability and, like, lifelong detrimental pain they're going to go through, it's not enough. And he's mm-hmm. been a big advocate for, like, paying fighters more money, which is, like, I am I love the message, but I don't mm-hmm. care for the messenger who's giving it, but that's the way I'm, it goes sometimes. I'm always hesitant to always jump out of the gate with, with somebody like this who basically, like, came of age in these wild circumstances and, mm-hmm. like, under this weird microscope with all this money and, like... You know, you have to expect this guy to have, like, been a dick when he was yes, younger and sure. done dickish uh-huh. things and been tone deaf and clueless and, you know, awful stuff. And so I don't say it to just exonerate the guy or, like, you know, exonerate people of what they've done. Yeah. This isn't some sort of thing where it's like, oh, you can't hold it against him for when he, you know, if he did something truly yeah. awful that I don't like know about or whatever. But generally, yeah, I mean, if this guy wants to come out and try to make it better for, for you know, more amateur fighters, yeah. lower level fighters, if he wants to bring more eyes to the sport... You know, there has to be a way the sport can find a way to work with this person mm-hmm. who has found a way to do what boxing hasn't been able to do in 15 years, and that's get people to tune in. Yeah. Find a way. 
find some way to leverage this however you got to, but, like, I don't see another lane for boxing. No, because as a boxing fan, I was saying this, yeah, yeah. I, I, this was more relevant than almost any boxing match mm-hmm. that happened this year outside of the heavyweight title fight, which heavyweight boxing remains relatively, like, uh, people are still relatively conscious of heavyweights mm-hmm. just because that's the... What we grew up with in like this. They era. should. They should try to. I'm not saying they're gonna go out there and cut promos on each other. They should try to take a page out of wrestling's book and give people more reasons to care about other storylines on the card. I think that's the UFC. They gotta be. UFC allows their guys to be a little more like that. Get some yeah. of that, or at least like give me. Spend more time on your package promoting to me why I should care about the third fight from the top of the card. Yeah. Maybe right. Like give me context yeah. so when I'm watching, I can be like, oh, this dude. Uh, you know, Genie Cusimano was the one guy fighting. <laughs> Give me a reason to like care about Montana Love. What happens what here to these folks? Uh, sad farewell this week to legendary actor Ed Asner, best known as Lou Grant, the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Uh, also, more recently as Santa Claus in the movie Elf and the voice of Carl Fredrickson in the movie Up. Mm-hmm. Passed away at the age of 91. Ed Asner won seven Emmys, five of them for for playing Lou Grant, and the other two as a German immigrant in the TV movie Rich Man, Poor Man, and also as a sea captain in the, in the miniseries Roots. Uh, there's also a spin-off to the Mary Tyler Moore show based around him in 1978 uh, through 1980 called Lou Grant. Mm. Um, I always just remember Ed Asner as a guy who very much looked and sounded like my grandfather. Mm. Like, even... <laughs> Like, I was like, oh, that guy who's my grandpa. That yeah, guy. That's a good grandpa, Paul. Yeah. Uh, do you have any thoughts? You're a big Mary Tyler Moore guy. Do you have any thoughts about True. Ed Asner? I am. Thank you for that. I am a big Mary Tyler Moore guy. Big Mary Tyler Moore, Moore guy. guy. Yeah, yeah. certainly seen every episode of that show um, probably at least twice in my life. Um, Ed Asner's great. He's great in everything he's ever done. He was. He's. I caught an episode of that on, like, the weird Peacock streaming or one of those decades yep. channels late one night, and I watched it. Uh, he was great, and good for him to have been around for so long in grand tradition. That's another guy you could have told me he died 10 years ago, and I would have been like, oh, yeah, you know, RIP. Um, but 91 years, like, that's pretty crazy. Good for him. Uh, seems like a really uh, passionate guy, too. Like, very, he was an activist, it looked like. In mm-hmm. the early part of his career, really, like, uh, involved in the El Salvador Civil War. Uh, two terms of the Screen Actors Guild. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, very involved in Hollywood as well. You know how you live it, Ed Asner. Yeah, Ed Asner. 91, good for him. Uh, let's see. We're going to talk about Kanye in just a minute with Malik. So my question, Kev, do we care that Kanye West has officially filed to change his name to Ye? We don't care that he's officially filed. I mean, it's a mistake, as it always is. Just like going to just Diddy was a mistake. That's <laughs> yeah. how you know it's over. You know what I mean? Rap is rap will uh, eternally be a young man's game. Didn't this Shouldn't this have happened two years, in 2018 when he had an album called Ye? It feels like he missed the boat on this one. I'm just glad he's not changed his name to Yeezy. Yeezy told me. That's true. Yeah, yeah Ye- or, or officially changing his name to Yeezus. Yeezus. That would be tough. Oh, do you want to hear the reasoning why he's calling himself Ye? Ye? Because Ye-, uh, Ye is the most common word used in the Bible, apparently, because it means you, and you is the most common word used in the Bible. <sighs> We've got to get these people off the internet. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get to uh, this week's interview with uh, recurring guest, one of my favorite people in the podcasting sphere. Malik Gale against the Algorithm Podcast in its seventh season right now. We're going to talk a bit about uh, about Donda, about our thoughts on it. We're going to talk about the new Billie Eilish and Lord albums that arrive with a collective meh from most people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we talk about finding new music in 2021. Uh, all that a little bit more with our good friend.
I think I gotta turn my volume up. Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you all good. What's up, bud? Doing good, doing good. How about you? Oh, I'm so tired. My, <laughs> I I hear you. I just realized my my um computer wasn't charging, so I'm literally trying to figure out what that's what's the deal with that. Oh, there we uh, go. Okay, less worried. So, here's a this is a totally out of nowhere question since we're just you just mentioned it. Are you one of those people? And I'm I could be in the minority here. Are you not supposed to leave your computer on the charger all the time? Um, I used to be that person, and I realized it could mess up your computer. So I'm very, I went from not caring to very paranoid about it. So you're you're on the thing. You should never leave. I, God, no wonder all my batteries die so quickly. I just leave it on the charger all the time. Yeah, no, I am terrified about that. So um, the uh, first few months of a new computer, I've been like, oh yeah, it's fine. But then they were like, yeah, don't do that. And I was like, oh, okay. Um. So I'm gonna give you. Uh, by the way, Malik Gale is joining us again. You, I don't even, hey. inter, I don't even, hey. I don't even introduce you anymore because you're so regularly on the show anymore that it's just like how, oh, Malik's back. He's here. He's how many visits has it been? I, I lost uh, count. So many. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Since I'm, you know, of all the people over the years who I've talked to who do podcasty stuff. Uh, I have more fun talking to you than anyone else, I think. So, so okay, that's, that, I, feel, I feel really honored with that. That That's so sweet. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know what? I think I, and this is like me doing the old man teacher thing and like shaking my fist. Like um, when I look at like podcasting stuff today, after however many years it's been now, over six years now, even not including the stuff I did beforehand. All I think to myself is that I wish I were 10 years younger when I started this. Yeah. And it turns out you are actually are 10 years younger than me, like legitimately 10 years <laughs> younger. So you are in the prime uh, phase. So, of course, we're talking uh, to Malik Gale. He is the host of the Against the Algorithm podcast. Uh, he's much younger than me. How's that working out for you? <laughs> doing good. Um, my birthday is in about a literally um, like a month from, well, two months from today. Or not That's today, right. but like two months from like around this general sphere. Um, having a birthday near halloween when you were a chicken as a kid was not fun but really? now it's like okay i was terrified as a kid um i remember one time during halloween and I, well, I lived in new york city so when like halloween in new york has like a like there's like the paranoia yeah yeah like, you hear like the you hear the urban legend so you you go in with paranoia with it so i remember Wait, so, one time so you did new york city halloween I didn't do New York City Halloween New York because City I heard, Halloween. because I heard all the stories. I was like, nope, yeah. nope. I was even... I was just I was a chicken. I I remember one time I ordered pizza and the kid came running up saying trick or treat with a bloody scream mask and I <laughs> booked it up the stairs with the pizza and slammed the door and my mom had to come down and give the kids candy. I never thought about it because when I lived in New York, we were the fourth floor walk up on an, in an apartment in Bedsty. So no one was coming, right? No yeah. one. The only yeah. people who were getting candy are maybe like the kids who live downstairs. We would, you know, if they knocked the door, I'd give them like some Reese's Pieces or something. I don't, you know what I mean? Exactly. That's it. Living in South Utica my whole life, South Utica growing up was like Halloween in a TV movie. Do you know what I mean? It's just a million kids running around throwing eggs at each other and, you know, getting tons of candy from the big houses, changing masks to go back to the same houses over and over. I think I was spoiled by Halloween living where we did. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't know about, like, Utica, I didn't know about Halloween because I feel like every single Halloween, like, I, like, we were out. I was out. 
Um, when did you give up on Halloween as a, as a concept? Like, do you, do you care for Halloween even today? Well, I say that, but um, me and my friend have a birthday that are, is like both have birthdays in October. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are planning on doing a joint birthday party slash Halloween party. So, I mean, I'm talking all the smack about Halloween, but I am actively playing a Halloween birthday party for the first time in my life. No, second time in my life. My 21st birthday was a Halloween party. Well, I think too, you know, not for nothing, as you get older, yeah, uh, Halloween kind of becomes only as good as whatever event you attend. Like I've gone to yeah. Halloween parties as an adult. And I'm like, hey, this was great. I'm glad I came. And then sometimes I dress up to give away five pieces of candy to people on the street. I'm like, well, that was stupid. What did I do that for? So well, you you just you're just well, what you did is just to give yourself an excuse to eat the rest of the candy because no one showed up. That's what you did. You're looking at it wrong. <laughs> I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get off the gummy candies and it's been really hard with all the Halloween stuff coming up. I'm really, that's like one of my weaknesses in life. Uh, so it's funny you talk about your birthday. Cause I, I was doing some research before this to give folks some context for what life was like when I was born and for what life was like when Malik was born. Uh, the number one song in America on my birthday, January 10th, 1986 was the song say you say me. By Lionel Richie. Malik, have you heard that, have you heard that song? No. Uh, I've, heard of, I've heard of Lionel Richie. <laughs> exactly. The number one song in America on the day you were born, October 27th, 1996, was the Macarena Bayside Boys remix by Los Del Rio. You know what? Yes, because I have this running bit where and my friends can attest to this, where I would, the Macarena works for any song. Oh, yeah. I have, I have been to parties and I've been to events where I have just danced and did the Macarena. I think my friend Marcy, Marcy has video of me doing the oh, Macarena yeah. to a random dance song. Like, it's just, it's easy. Well, I'm trying to think if I can remember, people won't be able to see me as I'm sitting here in my head trying to think if I remember, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Oh, was that it? Yeah. I think, the, the, yeah. The bottom jeans with the boots, with the fur, with the fur, the whole dub is looking at her. See? <laughs> Gonna get copyright claimed, but there you go. <laughs> the, only, the only thing I've ever had like this in my life is a very 90s thing, uh, is that I found out years ago from a friend of mine that the name Sam Famolaro has the same number of syllables as the word Camp Anawana from the TV show Salute Your Shorts. So, oh, okay. um, so for people who remember that show, that one haunted me for years because they would sing the Camp on a Wanda theme song, but put my name in it. And I used to not care for that. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we were talking about, uh, I got a couple quick things I want to do. I, I essentially brought you on here to talk about Kanye West today because I want to talk about Donda and I have a lot of thoughts about just Kanye's career in general and I thought yeah. you could help me with some of my thoughts about where I where we are in 2021 with Kanye. As, as someone who had a segment on his college radio show called Kanye Watch 2020, I mean, I can I'm pro- I might be helpful here. I love it. I love it. But there are a few um, more just uh, quick point things I wanted to ask you about because they felt like uh, they were important to the context of things. Fair uh, number one, um, this week's episode episode 323, uh, is being referred to as One More Time with Malik Gale. And I'm just going to leave uh, it at that. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question. Are you familiar with CM Punk? 
Yes, I know that CM Punk came back because one of my friends is a massive WWE fan yeah. and she has absolutely lost her mind that he's come, he's going to like a new, like it's not like, didn't like a ton of WWE people get fired and yes. now they're all going to like another company and everyone's like, yes. There is a, there's essentially a younger, sexier wrestling company that everyone wants to work for now and WWE <laughs> is like the old man company. So that's where everyone's going. The reason I bring it up is that when CM Punk showed up at this new company, AEW, it was the worst kept secret of all time. So I'm going <laughs> to leave that. I'm just going to leave that right there. Uh, also this week, last night, and this isn't really in the music world necessarily, but I, I consider you also my my gateway into the, the younger generation of cool kids who are still on the internet. Uh, last night, YouTube internet celebrity Jake Paul won a boxing match uh, against Tyrone Woodley, former UFC world champion. Uh, what are your thoughts on Jake Paul as a boxer? <laughs> okay, I'm gonna keep it a hundred here. <laughs> I I tried watching the Logan and Floyd Mayweather fight, and that's the last time I've kept up with YouTube boxing. Like, good for them, I guess. I mean, oh no, my Slack messages. Hold on, I gotta mute that. Uh, hey, it's gonna be in the episode. Uh, right, da, da, da. Um, what was I gonna say? But I was gonna say that. Talk about Jake Paul. Yeah, I was going to say that, honestly, I don't know. Like, I honestly, like, I know I have opinions and takes for everything under the sun when it comes to internet culture. But, you know, with Jake Paul, I honestly do not care. <laughs> you know, I think the reason I cared was because I grew up watching a lot of boxing. My grandfather was a, like a big boxing guy. So as a kid, I watched lots and lots of like old boxing, current boxing. And I hate the fact that I've watched three Jake Paul boxing matches now. <laughs> And then I can't be mad at him because he seems like he's pretty good. I hate to admit it. Like, it makes well, me angry. <laughs> like, I heard that he's, like, fighting people that aren't, that have, like, bad records to begin with. So it's, like, it's more or less like you're decking, like, a toddler. That's, like, the equivalent of what you're doing. <laughs> well, that's sort of what I see a lot of people's argument. It's like, well, he's beating up. I just feel like I looked at this dude and I'm like, man, he's way less of a joke than I thought he would be. Like, I was really hoping that he would be an obvious joke. And I could be like, this is going to be a thing that I'm not going to have to deal with for the next few years. Like, oh, it'll be like a one-off thing. And watching it last night against Tyrone Woodley, who's like a big, bad dude. And I was just like, I don't know, man. I think I'm stuck looking at Jake Paul for the next, like, <laughs> like, I think it's, I think it's not going anywhere. Uh, okay. So that was two of my things real quick. Um, the third one is just a yes or no question. And if you, if you, if it is a yes, you can follow up. Did you happen to attend something that was referred to as emo night last week? I unfortunately did not. Um, I was at the previous emo night where everyone that I knew had left a changed person. I will not call people out, but and I'm going to be careful. Someone thought they left their ID. Someone thought they left their card when they didn't. Someone got home with scraped knees. And I was the one that was the most sober. And I drank like eight drinks. <laughs> my, I guess my question is like, for me, if I go out to a bar as a guy who was born like in 86. So my formative years, are like the early 2000s going out to bars and stuff. Yeah. If they had like a grunge night wherever I kind of feel like I'd be like, oh, God, really? We're kind of we're co-opting the grunge. Were you, at any was any part of you mad as someone who was like into emo music no. that, we've, that we've gotten to emo night 
portion of our life now. Honestly, no, because the thing about it is like, I remember emo night being a thing from like Brooklyn and being like, oh my gosh, I want to go to eat like the real emo night. So I'm just like, hey, it's here. Um, I, I, I know it's not a sanctioned emo night event, but like, it's kind of like the thing about like looking at it as like, by the time I was really getting into it, like emo night was already a thing that was like busting onto the scene and it was getting co-signed from like, people who in like yeah yeah in the emo pop punk sphere so it seemed like the cool thing to go to i realized that i wasn't going when i looked through all my clothing and i was like you know what i don't even know if i own any of my emo clothing i don't have my shorties t-shirt i don't have any of my jimmy world stuff i got nothing <laughs> nothing i wore my chemical romance tee that had holes in it in yeah. a, uh, and a uh and a flannel i well flannel is an interesting one because i was like is flannel emo because flannel goes with everything. Flannel's not flannel, really... Flan, flannel's like Midwestern emo. <laughs> yeah, if you're a big American football fan. <laughs> like, if you like screaming at a at a gas station while smoking a cigarette, then, like, there you go. <laughs> every, that sounds like the lyrics of every Sunny Day Real Estate song. Um, <laughs> so, and last but not least, I got an invite this week uh, from a friend of mine, my former roommate in Brooklyn. Shout out to Eric and his, uh, his newborn baby, rats on to him and his wife. But they were in town this week uh, because him and his wife were going to see the Dead & Co. at SPAC. And oh, he is no. an example of the 35, 36-year-old guys in my age range who have kids, get married, and get into the Grateful Dead. And Malik, I have to admit to you, I was a little ashamed of myself. You wanted to I go? Was, I was tempted to go, just to go hang out with my buddies, and I didn't go because uh... I didn't have <laughs> Well, I have two things I could kind of touch on there. Um, <laughs> Pitbull was supposed to, I think, was playing the spell. No. And I wanted as a bit, because the tic- they were doing $20 tickets because they're trying to encourage people to go back. So it's yeah, yeah. lawn tickets. So I was trying to convince like two of my friends and both of them were just like, absolutely not. And I'm like, Mr. 305 is currently in our presence and you are ignoring him. What is wrong with you? We have a global citizen here. Um, and the other thing is I periodically razz on my manager for her love like her dead serious love of dave matthews oh the dave matthews band dave matthews band though i was i'm so i went to college in the mid <laughs> you know what i'm saying like i think for a certain extent people my age in that sort of 30 to 40 age range right in the middle there it was really really hard to escape the pull of how popular Dave Matthews was in 2003 and 2007. Like, I can't tell you, and not even just Dave Matthews, the the sort of arc of Dave Matthews-esque, I would refer to it as like soft jam band music, shit like and OAR and certain like more mainstream fish from that era where it was like, oh, we want, jam bands got a chance, jam music's got a chance here to bust into the mainstream. Let's dig in. All you're, all you've been saying is just a lot of people that you would find on a Saranac summer concert lineup. I oh just want God. you to know that that's just a Saranac summer concert lineup. I feel like OAR was Coming definitely from a former been. employee. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here's the thing though: like as you're a guy traveler. who owned at least one OAR album and at least one Dispatch album, I didn't hate them in 2003. I didn't go like, "Oh, this is terrible." Like now, in hindsight, I'm like, "Ooh, this is this is pretty rough." pretty rough hey i mean yeah like everyone's like that (laughs) i mean but again i still i still like steely dan which i guess is my version of 
liking the Grateful Dead, right? Like I just like yeah. old band music from way outside of my uh, my, my wheelhouse. You were talking about concerts though. Have you gone to a concert since everything's been going on? I have gone to one and I want to, and the problem I have is there's like three concerts I want to go to and two of them on the same day. But oh. one's a free festival. It's out in Rochester and there's another mm. one that's like literally like an hour walk from me. So I'm trying to figure out which one works. But the show I went to was I went to go see Modest Mouse at Alma Gang. Oh, man, I would I love Modest Mouse. I was just thinking about that last week about Modest Mouse, kind of another band from like they hit their arc in the mid to late 2000s, and I feel like no one talks about them anymore at all. It seems like they're getting this like pretty solid renaissance. Like they were there, people were there for them. Um, my friend. I did not know how hard he went for Modest Mouse until we got, like, we were in the car and I talked to him about it. I'm like, oh, shit, you were really riding or dying for my Modest Mouse. Okay. <laughs> and, and, like, I support, like, I'm, I wasn't razzing on him. I'm like, we got a fan. Let's go. Uh, well, you know what kills? I think Kevin was just telling me, and I don't know, he, I could be wrong here. So if I'm, I'm speaking out of school, he can correct me later on. Yeah. I want to say he was either going to or plan or is still going to Riot Fest out in Chicago. Oh, I was thinking about it. And that lineup is the only lineup for any festival I've seen where I'm like, oh my God, did they make this for me? It's the Smashing Pumpkins and No Effects and Coheed and Cambria and fucking Run the Jewels, like out of nowhere. <laughs> the, like the problem for me was like, it was too short notice because um, a thing I originally was going to go to got canceled. Don't need to talk about why. Um, <laughs> and I was like, okay, maybe Riot Fest. But the problem I was like getting into was like, it just seemed like it was too much money. And like, I didn't know if I could make all that stuff appear in uh, a week. The problem feels like it's weird because I feel like the lineup's changing like a ton because of it is all these people dropping out. Cause I know Mike Hem was originally on there. Yeah. Nails dropped out. And like, and I'm not saying it's like dissuade anybody, but it is wild to see like, well, it is a little bit like, you know, Nine Inch Nails and Pixies are huge bands for a lot of people. That's a big miss. If you know what I mean? Yeah. I guess they replaced them already. It's like Slipknot and Morrissey, I think is what they were saying. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to, I don't know. I'm more excited for Slipknot than Morrissey if you give me those two choices. <laughs> okay, like here's all. the pretend, here's the pretentious thing. It's more, I'm looking at it right now. It's Morrissey, including a curated lineup with very special. I feel like I can just feel the ooze of pretentiousness with a curated lineup from a Morrissey. Kill me, end me. I do not need to see a cur- Morrissey. Uh, no Morrissey and the Smiths in general are a very particular like I'm a huge Elliot Smith fan so there was definitely a period of time in my life when the Morrissey Smiths thing was right in that zone I still like Elliot Smith I kind of struggle with like Morrissey in particular at some of the picks as Smith stuff I still kind of like but it's it's a vibe for sure I mean do you know the artist JPEG Mafia no he has a song um <laughs> I, mean, I want to see if it's his top song. It's not his top song, but he has a song called Where Is It? I Need a Dope. I Cannot Fucking Wait Until Morrissey Dies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the dude's a pretentious racist. Like, <laughs> screw him. It's true. No, I mean, that seems to be the, the take that people have now in hindsight. It's like, I didn't know much about that in 2004, but every yeah. article and every word Morrissey ever says, you're just like, oh, just talk less, my dude. Just say, yeah. say, say less things. Uh, all right, let's talk about a little new music here while we're, we're here. Specifically, let's talk about Donda, which I think I'm saying right. Donda, Donda, Donda. Don- well, I mean, the intro has it, Donda. Donda, Donda. that's Donda. true. Donda, the, yeah, the Donda, 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 Donda. Uh, I 
again, context is key. The yeah, first yeah. Kanye West album, College Dropout, came out in 2004, my last year of high school, senior year of high school. Yeah. And, you know, and graduation came out in 2007 when I was legally allowed to drink for the first time. So there's some context for where I was with Kanye uh, in my in my personal thought. I listened to most of Donda yesterday. I'm going to start here with a, an unanswerable question. Is Kanye back? Was Kanye ever really gone? I mean, I think the man's been decisive and I'm, I'm going to just tell you off the front. I haven't, I've only listened to jail jail. Yeah. 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 Which I was just like, okay, let me listen to Jay-Z and that song was good. But I think it's a, a weird combo of like, he's back in the cultural zeitgeist for music again. Yes. I yeah. think before it was kind of everyone was talking about Kim Kardashian, the, the the running for president, like supporting Trump. I feel like a lot of the stuff that was bringing Kanye to attention, maybe realistically for the last few years, even not even Jesus is king, but like all these other things and all right. these other elements like Sunday school, like uh, Sunday service suing him. All those things didn't necessarily have to do with music first. And I think that this is the first time in a while we've gotten something with Kanye where it's like being a musician and his music's like, front and center again well i went back and did a little research yesterday when i was doing my when i was looking through this and i was like man yay came out in 2018 and there's like what seven songs on it yeah it feels like an inconsequential ep in hindsight like, i don't feel like anyone talked about it when it came out like i feel like this this like donna has a lot of cultural conversation happening in a way that yay did not in 2018 well, I feel like because Ye was also part of that whole big, like two things. I think it was a part of like him like releasing an album every week. And two, yeah. it 100% got overshadowed by Kid Seaghost. Yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, like no one cared about <laughs> Ye because Kid Seaghost existed. Um, I'll say this as someone who has listened to, I would say about 75, 80% of, of the album and... I haven't really seen Kanye albums in general. I think it's important to say that every Kanye album after my dark twisted fantasy, I listened to didn't liked and then <laughs> kept listening to, and was like, you know what? I actually, I've come around. I like them. So I yeah. do think I tend to like these albums better on multiple listens, but I, I think that this album kind of hits an interesting place. I think a lot of people who Kanye was calling out on that old Kanye track yeah. will, will be happy with some of this stuff. Uh, it feels like there's a little bit more of the soul beats Kanye, the early mid 2000s, like late graduation Kanye. But it also feels like it's very minimally produced. Like all the tracks are very sparse. And that's like the most ironic thing because Kanye had poor Mike Dean locked up in a in the castle <laughs> yeah. for like... God knows how long just for it to sound minimal. But I mean, like that is interesting though. Like it, it, like it feels like it's like wondering if it's like him, like definitely doing an intentional pushback because of like really trying to focus on his mother and kind of like, yeah. like going more to his roots, especially, I mean, with that last like viewing, like listening party, which I, like, again, listening parties are a whole, there yeah, are a whole different scenario. And I think they added like way more to like people like, talking about if it was coming out or not i mean he's always been sort of like uh caught up in the narrative of how the albums are released 
more so than I, I don't know. I feel like back in the day, back in the day, God, I'm so old. I feel like <laughs> I feel like in 2010, like when when Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy came out, I'm sure there were lots of promotions, but that album hit and people were just like, yup, it's a banger. I no extra stuff needed necessarily. Well, also it's like if this is basically Kanye's last chance. If like that album didn't hit, like it, like he needed my beautiful dark twisted fantasy to like come in. And like I think the reason why he's in like a weird spot is because like he's basically pulled off the redemption story once. Yes. He's doing trying to do it again. This feels like an attempt though. This feels closer to like, I need a hit. I need this to be. <laughs> and I'm not saying he needs a hit. He's got lots of money. He's doing fine. He's already like established his legacy. But if he wants like like the culture, uh, like the biggest year. album of the summer, right? Like this feels like he wants this to be massive. Yeah. And I think it might work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my honestly, my opinions on it is like, I don't really want to listen to it objectively. I mean, I just, and like, it gets into like, I know we're going to get to the talk about like supporting the artist, artist versus the artist, art versus well, the artist. You can get there now if you want. <laughs> I mean, I think that just objectively, like, it's interest. It's like a point where I don't. After all of that stuff, there's one thing to be like, "Hey, like, let's see what he like. Let's hear him out." And then there's two yeah. to be like, "This is very clearly someone going through something." And like, yeah, and like really kind of splaying that out and like extending it. And I think it's I've gotten to the point where I'm just like I don't know if I really want to put a lot of bandwidth on another person's life that's not directly involved with me well no and you're, and you're totally right and i think that that is something that i feel like taints the conversation when people have with with kanye west is like people rag on kanye west they shit on him for doing weird stuff there is a mental health aspect to this that doesn't feel comfortable being like oh this guy's crazy he's a maniac he's like, well he might actually have like bipolar mental concerns yeah. that we that have nothing to do with us or or what the public you know takes from it right so yeah, but and that's the thing you have to like as context you know like the albums about his mother who's passed was like really yeah. big to him like you have to know about the divorce you have to know about like like there's like required reading to come yeah. into this record and to like understand before like you kind of like look at the record from a objective standpoint which is like interesting yeah well i mean it's also interesting too that we're not going to see like this album will not sell that many album numbers because we don't buy albums anymore. So yeah. how this album gets out to the main, like I'm actually looking at the Kanye discography, like just sort of as I'm, as we're sitting here talking, College Dropout sold 3.3 and a half million albums as a debut <laughs> album. Late Registration 3.1, Graduation 2.7. Even like Life, like Ye sold 8,500. 85,000. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Jesus is King sold 109,000. Like, I don't know what a success looks like for this album. Just like having a song that breaks through, maybe? Is that what success means for this album? I mean, I it could be. I think at this point, like, again, I think the the, the more talk is like the cultural relevancy of it. And like, and it's like, I think it's more for him to like, it's again, it's a spectacle. I think it's less about the money. It's more about building a spectacle. Yeah. Like, like you don't, you wouldn't care about like selling out. Like, like you wouldn't really worry about the money of like buying the record when like you yeah. made like what twelve million off of three viewing parties. That's true. I mean, like, that's a good point, right? Every and every party I have is no more money coming in the door. So right, like just li- keep doing this. 
literally like he didn't even like and those are for on like people paid basically to hear like demos yeah. of like what he like ended up on here so there's that too like there there were less listening parties and more just kind of like lit, like live litmus tests i mean he threw away the good version of robocop from 808s and heartbreaks all the way in 2008 so i'm, I'm still holding that against him uh how <laughs> that being said i do think that one thing for me at least this album has taught me is yeah. that i have Every time I'm ready to quit on Kanye, he puts out something and I go, damn, you know what? He did it again. Kanye did it again. <laughs> He's got me one more time for another album. Yeah. Uh, and again, I think it's just because time and place for me specifically, that's very much like, I feel like I've been there for the whole ride. Exactly. And I think that, like, that's like the thing, like there's like, so there's angles to like who, like how you grew up and like navigate music and like artists and stuff like that, that like, it, like ties like very deeply to like, Oh yeah. How you like perceive a record and stuff like that. So every album that came out during your like high school period, whoever the Royal you. Yeah. Always be more impactful than any other version of that music comes out before and afterwards, because it's yours to a certain extent. I'll always care more about Blink-182 than the generation before and after me. I just will. Yeah. It's like a weird, like ever since I like have gone through my breakup, I have gone kind of back to like Mm -hmm. music, like prior to that. Oh, yeah. Some things that sound towards that and it's been like an it's been like it's very interesting to see that and like see myself kind of leaning into it because you're just like okay like you go to like the things that kind of are like this feels like me yeah uh and well i think that too you know like i for years didn't listen to a bunch of music that i was shown through a girlfriend right? i had one girlfriend <laughs> a bunch of music and then for years like nah i'm not listening to these bands anymore and then i thought yeah. about it like years later i'm like wait why am i like holding myself out on bands i like because of spite for someone i haven't seen in five years so i'm like no i'm allowed <laughs> to like the things that i like now um i have two other really quick music things before we get to lightning round questions uh sure and just because i i've always been like a pop guy i don't know if you have takes on either of these both Billie Eilish and Lord released new albums this year. Yep. Considerable meh for most people. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on either of these two albums? Um, so with Lord, like I'm kind of like with Lord, it's like something where people are very weird about people who are growing up. Yes. And just kind of are like, hey, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm going to write songs about me being good. Like, because the thing about it was Lord went from very moody goth kid to, I mean, just from like green light and perfect places, like the equivalent of just like crying in a McDonald's like drive through yeah. at 2 a.m. to like, hey, I'm just vibing. So I think that like I don't, there's no problem with it it's not for me again i have a disdain for kind of jam bandy kind of like yeah kind yeah. of just like hidden like fucking tambourines <laughs> like this um yeah <laughs> just like i heard solar power and i just kind of already knew this wasn't for me um so yeah well what i kind of think though uh i go back to when daft punk put out random access memories in 2011 right yeah they put out all these albums in the late 90s right homework and discovery and all these like big time electro like techno whatever you want to call that genre of music that people started co-opting 
So when 2011 comes out and they put out Random Access Memories, people were like, oh, this is going to be the ultimate Daft Punk album. And they're like, nah, we made a Steely Dan album. You know why? Because <laughs> everyone's been making these albums ever since we did it. Everyone's just been copying our style. Yeah. I look at somebody like Lord, and I think she looks around and is like, oh, Olivia Rodrigo's doing my bit. So I might as well just do something different now because I don't want to do the same thing again, right? Yeah, and like, that's the thing too. Like, there are people who fill it, like, I don't want to say fill in, but there are people who are like, like the, the sound and genre involved. And I mean, there's also a whole point. I'm assuming the second thing you want to talk about is Olivia Rodrigo. Oh, no, I was just going to, the, uh, the Billie Eilish thing was the other one. Oh, uh, I mean, do you, like there's the uh, Olivia, Olivia Rodrigo Paramore thing. Oh, I don't know anything about that. Let me hear it. So, so here you go. So uh, Mahaley Williams and Josh Farrow now have writing credits on Good For You because hmm. of all the callouts of the similarities between Good For You and Misery Business. Really? Yeah, they, 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 and the thing about it is, uh, like a lot of people, I mean, myself included, disagree because it feels like now we're starting to get into the point that we are just, we're just giving writing credits for vibes. Yeah, like, okay, uh, teen, teenage girl writes angry song about ex boyfriend, and and there's guitars, and like like, you know what I mean? So musicians, like, musicians in the world would be mad at me for saying this, but I say it all the time we've kind of used all the chord progressions and we've kind of used all the major pop, like they're, they're yeah. all common. The four, the, the one, two, three, four punk rock, pop rock melody is used in about 9 million songs. And it's, and no one says anything about it. It's just the reality of it. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's the thing. I, it feels strange that like, and like, I, I just wouldn't do it. I, like I don't, and I think it's like her publishing, but like, some people are calling it out because like TikTok did all the mashups and they kept edging yeah. it on and like and they were like oh my gosh it's so like like that but um I knew that there were some calls for brutal because they said it sounded like pump it up by Elvis Costello oh yeah and even Elvis Costello was like hey like good like like music needs like <laughs> like he's just like music needs people to kind of like take the elements and just keep it moving like that's how it works I feel like Tom Petty's like it used to be like that sometimes like a lot of, a lot of times he was just like yeah whatever they're like you know last night by the strokes is american girl he's like yeah i guess yeah i guess it is right like I, but i think there wasn't one like he sued somebody later on for one of them that was real obvious i forget i have to go back and look uh i, I will have to send you the video after this because we could get too far talking into this and i could see it uh there's a really <laughs> good video i'll send you about paul's boutique by the beastie boys and how that album in general like was sort of the end of just can we sample as many things as possible? Like, how many things can we sample and get away with it? And that was sort of the the ultimate version of like let's make a girl talk album and rap over it, right? Like, it's, <laughs> I'll send you the video afterwards. It's pretty good. Uh, and I guess my last question here for you before we get into lightning round questions: um, Where are you finding your new music today? When you're looking for new music, are you going on uh... social media? Are you going on TikTok? Are you going on like Twitter? Like, where are you finding? new music in 2021 was that 100% just a bit for ATA because that that's exactly how I asked this question no I, I swear to get no it's no not. dude no dude literally, literally it felt like I'm being honest that ex I thought you were taking I'm Tom Bush no, I'm, I'm not taking, taking the piss, piss out of you, I thought you were taking <laughs> no 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 um, um I mean honestly I think it's a combo of just like I really have been like 
on Twitter a lot more. And like the Twitter, there's a really amazing Twitter DIY scene of like great musicians doing great work. And they're like amazing. Like I know there's Nightlife, there's um, Pink Shift, Hoity Toity, um, In the Morning, all people like that that are doing amazing stuff. And so I'm learning from that. Uh, doing the podcast, I'm getting people who have come to me about it. And like, and we're talking about it from there. And I just think it's like the combo of doing the podcast um reaching out to people uh, i instagram not so much as it used to be but um there's like this really cool guy i think i added him on this place called ginger root uh, i found him on tiktok where it's a song called loretta but it's like kind of like dancey elevator mm. music I could, if i can describe it like i think i put weather on but it's like very just kind of like mm. it's very smooth and like it's like it, it's not the typical thing you would think if you're like, oh yeah, I like this for me, but it's like really good and I love his stuff. Hmm. All right, excellent. I love it. Uh, before we get into lightning round questions, uh, your most recent episode of the show is up today, I'm seeing you had a tweet from like four hours ago. Um, it was a Friday, but I forgot to post and I didn't want to oh. give it bad engagement by posting on the weekend, so I posted Smart. it today. <laughs> uh, and this is, you, I think we talked about this last time, you're in the middle of, this is your seventh season now? Yeah, we're in season seven. Um, it's been going well. The only thing that we're now hitting is I am, I have no, as of four o'clock on Monday, August 30th, I have no guests planned for this weekend. I'm trying to figure that out. <laughs> so basically, I mean, it's not a secret anymore. It's a secret mad dash to be like, I need to talk to someone, please. In the, in the six years that I've been doing this, six and a half, whatever now, I can tell you that I have been planned ahead like in terms of interviews i i would say less than 40 percent of the time like it's, <laughs> it's very rare for me to have like last few weeks it had been kind of good actually but it's been very rare for me to be like i got interviews on deck nope i'm usually tracking those interviews down within three to four days before the shows go to air <laughs> if i haven't i'm reaching out to people like from earlier that i'm always i'm always reaching out to people but I very rarely have stuff. You know why? Because not for nothing. You don't want to be sitting on eight to nine interviews of evergreen content because that's oh, no. nothing, right? Like I, I want some topical content, right? So yeah, and I think like especially with people who are releasing stuff and doing things for my podcast, it's like I want to tie it to people who are doing cool things and are releasing singles so that it's not just hey, come on my podcast because it's really cool, but it's like hey, come on my podcast so you get a cool platform for you to discuss the mm -hmm. music you're making and being able to like show that off to people i like i like i agree i would much rather like rush to find someone but like have someone who's currently doing some cool stuff and give them a good interview than like hi so if, how's it going with you <laughs> if i uh if i were to you know move away from doing this type of podcast and to start something different uh i would either do one of two things in hindsight like if i if i could go back and do things over again essentially i would have done some sort of season because i the the weekly thing I, I don't know what i got myself into over these years uh i think too uh maybe in hindsight and i, I was talking to somebody last week my buddy adam ramunda from a different podcast that we were promoting and uh they do like narrative podcasts and i think maybe something if i were doing it now where I could do, I mean, I honestly would want to do sports because I don't have to bring somebody in to do it. it just do, the, yeah. the stories write themselves every week. The topics <laughs> make themselves every week. I don't have to track down the whatever, anything. I just have content 
but I don't know. No one wants to hear that because there's a million different sports podcasts. All right, that's that's enough of that for me. Uh, <laughs> let's let's do uh, lightning round questions, including one thing I saw on your Twitter that I just need to comment on. Uh, oh no, you were annoyed by the James Corden humping in a mouse suit too, huh? You were you were you were over that. You're over James Corden. <laughs> I saw that on the internet this week and I hated it so much. You know, there are just some things I do not need to see in my life. (laughs) And James Corden walking up to a car, putting his hands behind his head while wearing a rat suit and thrusting to the Jennifer Lopez song, Let's Get Loud. I can't believe that they got Billy Porter and uh, and Camilla Cavellos to be out there in the street doing this. <laughs> you know, this was the best promotion they could have got for that Cinderella movie because I forgot it was coming out. Until Didn't know it was coming out. I saw James Court, like until the, literally this, like the two things reminding me that it was happening is that in a not so kind video showing like, her singing a song from the movie and it's oh yeah it's uh it feels like a strange i don't know who this movie's for and i know it's not for me seems like it's the case uh all right lightning round (laughs) questions let's get into i only got a few of them for you because you were you were on not that long ago so i don't remember which of these questions we have or have not gone over recently uh did we ask you last time what your favorite trip was as a kid like your favorite trip or outing and what made it great I think so, but I don't remember what I said. All right, well, that's okay. I got another one. <laughs> uh, I was talking about this because uh, the reason we talked about Billie Eilish and Lord is I think that Lord, for a while, felt like a musician that I was interested in from a generation outside of my listening generation. I was like, I shouldn't care about Lord, but I think some of these songs are pretty good. Greenlight's a banger. Uh, is there an artist or particular musician from outside, either before or after your like prime music time that you're really into and it kind of throws people off? Huh. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, before it's kind of hard because it's like you're kind of like, still kind of in it. So it's like, well, I mean, like you get, is there any like 70s shit? Do you listen to like Michael Jackson and shit? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really ah fuck um now i gotta go to my spotify ah you got you stumped me with this one i get it all right Well, i'll give you another Um, one if you want to think about it instead yeah well i'll think about it i'm really bad at this lightning round okay keep going i'll try to figure another one out all right what is i wouldn't go so far as to say favorite but when i say music video what's the first music video that pops to mind I'm saying this because I just recently remembered how much this video was burned into my head. It is the Ballad of Mona Lisa by the Panic at the Disco. Uh, I think I saw you posted about this. I I watched and played that song. Brendan Yuri and Spencer Smith owe me a check for how much I ran up their fucking numbers <laughs> because I would just listen to it click replay click replay click replay the video i went to panic at the disco with a poster that said mary did it because that was the climax of the video like so i have to pick that just off of pure standards because like i what don't I think, know if i watched the video more what i think is interesting about panic at the disco my chemical romance era 
th- those bands, even even you're starting to get into like late Blink-182 Fallout Boy. I remember like watching the Weezer music video for the song El Scorcho, which is a not popular song off the second Weezer album that nobody <laughs> that nobody liked at the time. And now in hindsight, people are like, actually, it's the best Weezer album. Yeah. Uh, but the song El Scorcho, the video is just them in a room with a camera in the middle and the camera's like spinning around, looking at everybody as the song is playing. And that's yeah. it. It's the whole video. You could have made yep. it for 80 bucks. And as a kid, I was like, that's the coolest music video I've ever seen. And within like 10 years, music videos had full movie sets. So like, I feel like a lot of that was in its prime time during that mid to late 2000s period, like TRL really popping off music videos. Yeah, and then there's like now a period where people are doing like full album, like album movies, like Halsey released her record and she had a movie yeah. with it. I, I remember the first one, I I think the second one, cause I know Beyonce, Beyonce did hers, but I don't know if it was like a full like direct narrative, but I think, there was like the Young Blood Chronicles. So Fall Boy was like doing like an overarching narrative with their albums, and it was like kind of like sequential. But I know there's like there's like Lemonade. There's um, like I think Machine Gun Kelly did one was, with his album. Yeah. The Beyonce one is the first one that came to mind. I also want to say I want to feel like the Arcade Fire did that for like the summer. I think so too. They had like a Jan- visual album something for their website. Yeah, Janelle Monae had an um, emotion picture. I love Janelle's my wife right there. Well, she's not interested in me, but that's... Uh, and give me one book, album, movie, or television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Sure. Um, I'll give you a book and a TV show because I'm currently, I have a lot more free time and I've been like, doing mm-hmm. all, engaging all those things. Oh, yeah. So for a TV show, it's a show called High Maintenance that was on HBO. Yes. So it's kind of an... Intho- I mean, have you checked it out? I'm familiar with it, uh, oh. but I remember it sort of as it was a web series initially, yep. years and years ago. And I'm kind of, it's fascinating that it became like a mainstream show now and everything. Yeah. It's nuts. I'm, I am mad that it got canceled recently, like or like last year. But um, for people who don't know what it's about, it's basically kind of like this anthology S series yeah. where there's like a weed dealer kind of who's like the center. Like it's like, yeah. he's the main character, but his like the stories are about the people who are kind of like directly or indirectly kind of crossing his path. And it is a really cool way to kind of give vignettes of like New York City. And so that's yeah. been pretty cool to watch. I think for a long time, when that show came on YouTube. I don't think networks were ready to do a marijuana show yet. Right, like we oh, weren't, no. they weren't doing mainstream shows about drug dealers. That way. Well, the thing about it is I think like um, the show is like officially like sanctioned by New York City because there's like the yeah. made in New York City thing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, and this is, bef- I don't know, this is like before we was legal. So I'm just like, Wait, so New York City just is like having a sanctioned show about just a weed dealer in the city? I mean, before marijuana was legal in New York State, I yeah. and I was living in New York City, you saw people smoking any, everywhere and no one was getting oh. in trouble for it. Oh, so yeah. even before it was legalized, like you could do whatever you want in New York City. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and you got a TV show you said as well? Or you said okay. a book you had as well? Yeah, so there, um, John Green has a book called The Anthropocene Reviewed. So it's like a, uh-huh. it comes from a podcast where he basically writes these kind of like, these like short paragraph like these paragraphs or like no these essays about just random topics and reviewing them so like it can be something as he's reviewed like the intro to like the penguins of madagascar or uh the band the mountain goats or the nathan's hot dog eating contest like he'll review them on like a give from one to five stars but like he has a really great way of like for some of this stuff like being very poignant about it like there's like a like the story about googling 
someone and like a lot of these stories are like it goes from being like hey googling is ridiculous and then like he just sideswipes you with like something like ridiculously emotional What's and then it goes straight into like after he like hits the climax of it, he's like i give googling four out of five stars and you're just like what? <laughs> like i cannot recommend it enough he's like it like he's like that book is really good so far uh, so john green what's fascinating about john green for me I should be, I should have been into John Green from day one. He's a yeah. big time history person. He puts all those great crash course history lessons up on, on YouTube. They're great. Uh, he's a writer. He writes fiction. He loves professional soccer. And for years, I was just like, nah, not interested. <laughs> not interested in this guy who likes all the same things that I like. Uh, but he, he beat me down because he also happens to be a supporter of the soccer team that I support. So I'd catch him tweeting during Liverpool games and be like, oh, God damn, I gotta like the, this guy. The first, the first um, article is about You'll Never Walk Alone. Of course it is, because it's the song they're going to play when I die. I've told people that. If you're all here, I've told everyone who listens to the pod, if you're all here at my funeral, if I go first, that's the song there. That's the only song they're allowed to play. The Liverpool that's li- Yeah. It's literally mentioned in the book about like, it, like it's like, like, I love that there's like exact crossover because things you are saying are exactly in what he wrote about it. I want people to cry a little bit at my funeral. I'm not like a sad funeral guy. I'd prefer if I ever had a funeral that it was like a you know Irish style where people were drinking and laughing and having a good time. But yeah. then I'm going to play that song and everyone's going to cry for three minutes and then you can go back <laughs> and have fun and then it'll be good. Um, that's all I really got for you today, Malik. Uh, listen, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I don't know when we'll see you again. I mean, but, uh, we're here. But who we here? Uh, <laughs> but I just want to say, uh, very proud of everything you guys have been you've been doing over there. It's you. I don't know why I say you guys like there's yeah. anyone else doing the show besides you. Uh, I'm so proud of the seven seasons you you've been putting in there, and I hope that uh, people who've listened to the show over the years have been following you guys and have been listening to the work you do. And uh, I'm just very impressed with everything you've done over the last few years. And uh, keep it up. Is all I'm saying. Thank you. Like, I mean, it means the world. I mean, just like to, I, it, it, it's wild to think that this has been something I've done for over two years. And now, like, and now like, it's the thing where like, I mean, like my manager told me a reason I got the job was that, and I am now kind of like working. I mean, I don't want to jump too early into this or, or talking about it because I know we're like getting it squared away, but I am currently might be doing some producing work for another podcast. It's very cool. And I've been a fan of for a bit so oh, stuff funny. like that's been like very exciting to see like against the algorithm be something I love doing and it's also given great opportunities and I mean you also your show has been like amazing to be able to talk to talking to people who are doing like posting uh, cool in things in the Utica area and I mean to, to have me be someone that you think is like hey like he's cool we should have him on especially even after I left <laughs> I mean I appreciate it a ton and it's it's yeah. always so much fun Look, I, I, I'm sure we'll get into this as the next few episodes go on. Um, but uh, of all the things that have frustrated me over the years of doing this, just the burnout and the research and the chasing down stories and the weird political era where it felt like everything was about politics and I couldn't escape it and all of that stuff, the, the one part that I never, that I never regretted, never hated doing was the actual talking to people the actual interviews of people doing 
cool shit in the community. People giving back or creative some, or creating something, whether it's music or art or a podcast or television or whether they're working in local politics or working in education. I that part was always great. That part was yeah. my favorite part always, uh, and that always was the reason that I kept going as long as I did, even when the rest of it was like burning me into the ground. Uh, that's neither, but that's neither here nor there. No one knows I'm part. Uh, all right, that's it. Malik, uh, I look forward to more seasons of the show. We will talk to you very soon. And thanks for spending time with us here today. We appreciate you. generous with always, his time. always generous with his time uh i always forget that he doesn't like live right around here anymore because i was like texting him earlier. I was, like, where's he living at these days we can say that off the air oh okay no. right. not around i don't know where so you, yeah, can't, yeah. you can't go stalk him but he's no, not i would just say if there was i didn't know if there was no 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 um but uh i was forgetting i'm like you coming by for this or are we doing zoom he's like i i'm not close anymore i'm like oh that's right uh, all right, so let's get to... I don't have any history lessons this week. I just have a time warp for us for the okay. end of August, August 30th, 1994. Uh, a great year, 1994. Mm. I was hoping that this movie was going to be like Jurassic. I keep waiting for it to be Jurassic Park. I'm mm. trying to remember like time and place for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it never is. It's always something else. On this day, August... Uh, August 30th, 1994, you could drive to the movie theater and see the number one movie in America, Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump, directed by Robert Zemeckis. It is based on the 1986 novel of the same name by Winston Groom. It stars Tom Hanks, Robin Wright, Gary Sinise, uh, McKelty, I'll screw that up, McKelty Williamson, and Sally Fields. Uh, story description, Sally Field. I don't always call her Fields, like she's more than one field. Mm. It's a singular field, Sally Field. Sally Field, tremendous. One of the best. The world couldn't handle more than one. Uh, Story depicts several generations in the life of Forrest Gump, a slow-witted but kind-hearted man from Alabama who witnesses and unwittingly influences several defining historical events in the 20th century United States. The film differs substantially from the original novel. It was an enormous success at the box office, became the top-grossing film in America released that year, earning $677 million during its worldwide theatrical run. It is the second highest grossing film of the year uh, behind The Lion King. So The Lion King made too much money for mm. Forrest Gump to, to chase it down. Soundtrack sold over 12 million copies. I feel like everyone I know did have this soundtrack. Sure, I had this soundtrack when I was a kid. Uh, Forrest Gump won six... This is a gateway. We were talking earlier about how you get into bands. This is a gateway to a lot of classic rock bands for me. It was this soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Yeah, big time. Big time. This, this is a double album, too, wasn't it? It was mm-hmm. big. The huge. Blue Disc and the Red Disc. Yeah. Uh, Blue six... Disc had all the hard rockers on it. I remember the Red Disc. I can't remember. I forget. Uh, six... Academy Awards, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Visual Effects, Best Film Editing. Screenplay for the sequel was written in 2001 based on the original novel sequel, which is called Gump and Co. Uh, writer Eric Ross' script begins with Forrest sitting on a bench waiting for his son to return from school. Mm-hmm. However, after the September 11th attacks, uh, Eric Roth 
Robert Zemeckis and Tom Hanks all kind of said the story was no longer relevant, is True. the word they used. Facts. Uh, on the first page of the sequel novel, Forrest Gump tells readers, quote, don't never let anybody make a movie of your life story, whether they get it right or wrong, it doesn't matter. Uh, first chapter of the of the sequel novel suggests that the real life events surrounding the film were incorporated into four, like so in the sequel, Forrest Gump the person is alive, and then Forrest Gump the movie about him has come out, and the okay, novel so the sequel to the book came out after the movie. Yes, okay, and it references this man's like yeah. I would like to get paid again. Yeah. Trying to get those Zemeckis bucks. Yeah, so during the course of the sequel novel, Forrest Gump runs into Tom Hanks and at the end of the novel goes on the David Letterman show and attends the Academy Awards, right? Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's very meta uh, for whatever whatever this came out. I see. I, I This is one of those things that like sometimes when I know a movie is based on a book, I will go and look for the book so mm -hmm. I can see what's what. Sure. And with this one, I found out, I was like, nah, no. I, don't, no. I don't know that I care no, that I do. I don't, it's... Like, kind of barely a movie in a lot of weird so, ways now. I think it's gone through a really interesting arc as a mm -hmm. film. Everybody loved this movie in 1994. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure there was always going to be some natural backlash to how beloved the movie was anyway. Mm -hmm. I think it got turned around somewhere in the mid-2000s. People were like, this is like romantic schmock. And I, I roll my eyes at it when it's I see a, it. It's, it's just like a weird flashpoint for the beginning of this. This ever malignant, like, baby boomer mythical nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I see what you mean. Thing going mm -hmm. on. You know what I mean? Where it's oh, just yeah. like... Yeah, I don't know. It's a... Uh, it touches on a lot of cultural events, but softens a lot of them for easy marketability. It just makes it all yeah. kind of digestible, and yeah. it's all just sort of like it's it's so compelling because Tom Hanks is so, so great, good. right? Everyone's and, really good, and it's it's really well executed. Yeah. Like it's, I still, if it was, if I still lived in a world where there were channels to flip, and Forrest Gump was on, I probably wouldn't stop and watch the whole thing, but I'd watch it for a while. You know what I mean? Depending where it was or whatever. Is Sinise the best part of this movie? Who's not Tom Hanks? Um, because Sinise is really good. He's he's like the only other consistent character, really. Well, Bubba, you know him, Bubba, Jenny. Jenny, the mom, Forrest. Yeah, she's not really into that long either. So you, know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like Jenny's even intermittently. There's long, long periods without her. Bubba's only in it for a little bit. Yeah, I do like the whole Lieutenant Dan arc. It's a really big. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's big... the that's that's the safe refuge of the hipster. It's like who can I find to ironically <laughs> laugh at in this movie? No, I'm not Lieutenant laughing. Lieutenant Dan, he's like, out here. I'm yeah, yeah, look at him killing day. it, doing swimming. Uh, so on the way back from the movie theater after watching Forrest Gump, you can turn on the radio in your sweet '94 Ford Taurus, yep. and you can listen to the number one song in America, "I'll Make Love to You" by Boys to Men. Mm -hmm. Number one hit single by R&B group Boys to Men. The song was written by Babyface and was the lead single from the, their second album, simply called Two. Mm -hmm. The song was a commercial success, spending 14 weeks atop the Billboard 100. It is the third best-performing song in the 90s. It won the Grammy Award for Best R&B Performance by Duo or Group and was nominated for Record of the Year. Okay, so we need to talk about something I said a couple weeks ago. Okay. I said, we were talking about, um, I forget who the artist was, but I was like, they're the first artist to ever replace their number one song with another number one song that they produced. Mm -hmm. I don't remember exactly who we were talking about. Yeah, neither do I. That fact is wrong. I was totally wrong on that fact. Mm -hmm. it, there is a small number of people who've done it. Mm -hmm. It's not just that one person. So pardon me while I bring that up. Because um, this song, because Boyz II Men is consistently ranked as one of the music industry's elites 
when regard with regard simply to time spent at number one on the Billboard charts. For sure. Uh, 50 cumulative weeks mm-hmm. on the charts, ranking with six behind Drake, The Beatles, Rihanna, Elvis Presley, uh, and Mariah Carey. Furthermore, On Bended Knee took the number one spot away from I'll Make Love to You. They became only the third artists ever after the Beatles and Elvis Presley to replace themselves at the top of the Billboard charts. Mm-hmm. So whoever it was that we were talking about, this happened after the Boys to Men did it in, in 1994. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wanted to be, you know, wanted to tell the truth out here. Right? I am always here when it's time to give Boys to Men their due respect. <laughs> I'm um, always here for it. I was rocking this album heavy in 1994. Yeah, you're. I, I'm going to step out of the way here for you on that. I just want to say they continue to perform today. Most recent studio album came out in 2017. Uh, in twenty seventeen, in June of twenty seventeen, alongside that album, they actually renamed a section of Broad Street in Philadelphia to Boys to Men Boulevard. Mm-hmm. Uh, the section of the street is near the High School for the Creative Performing Arts, where the members once attended. Kev, you you probably were rocking this album much earlier than I was. Heavy duty, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was out ninety four. Yeah, it was inescapable. These songs all over the radio. Yeah. Um, I this was some of my first forays into liking music for myself. Uh, a lot of this, like, R&B, a lot of this singing, a lot of the groups, you know what I mean? Like, into all the harmonies, like, other kids in my neighborhood were listening to it. I distinctly remember my cousin Johnny telling me when I was into this, he's like, that's like fourth grade girl music, and then he gave me a copy of Doggy Style by Snoop Dogg. Mm. Dog. Or probably didn't even give me a mm. copy, but, like, took me to his room to listen to it. Um, I think he would probably disavow <laughs> his early gangster rap beginnings yeah. these days, but it's true and it happened, uh, so... Do we not give... I mean, Boys to Men feels like they get a lot of credit. Every time anyone talks about them, people are always, like, glowing. Mm. But do we not give them enough... Do they not get mentioned as much as, like, other... Yes, so there's a couple things there. Uh, number one, what they did isn't really done anymore. Mm. People don't care about vocal groups anymore. It's not really a thing. Like, it's because right. now, you know, uh, five years after this album came out, it became Backstreet Boys and Sync, where, you know, that was still vocal groups, but it was mm. more about... The dance and the pop and the presentation and the team thing, whereas like these guys, I mean, you can go back and listen to any of these albums. These guys are tremendous, yeah. tremendous musicians with their voices, the harmonies, the way they use them, all the key changes, the different stuff. Um, but yeah, this type of ballad really kind of went out of fashion. These guys would have been stars in the Motown era as well as in sure. the era they're in now, and For it's sure. not surprising that Motown labels sure. signed them up. And right? so yeah, they kind of dropped off. Like after this album, they never really did anything again. I think they tried to put out an album in the late '90s that was like a little bit more of like a not an edgy rebranding, the way that like somebody like Hammer did. Not to uh, that much of a joke, but I think did. they tried to trend chase a little bit. It didn't work. Uh, I know they also lost a member after some years. They had a guy who had some like health issues. Did Bone Thugs and Harmony step on their block a little bit? No, <laughs> that's a whole different thing. Bone Thugs and Harmony <laughs> is owed money by all these kids getting rich off triplet flows right now. <laughs> I hope that everybody who's ever rapped with that, da, 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 I hope all those people are sending oh. checks to Bone Thugs. All right, uh, and after getting out of your your sweet '94 Ford Taurus, you can go into your house uh, and settle in, reading the number one book in America. Debt of Honor mm. by Tom Clancy. I'm really curious what kind of person would go to see Forrest Gump and then listen to Boys to Men on the Way Home and then settle in with a Tom Clancy novel. Not just about anybody. But in yeah, anyone yeah, in 94. That's the mainstream, down the middle, <laughs> down the middle 94 experience. Yeah, these people, it's not like they were out here like picking up a copy of the Benz and yeah. going to see <laughs> Pulp Fiction. Getting early in reading, on like some... reading Fight Club <laughs> before uh, it's a movie. Dead of Honor is a techno-thriller novel written by Tom Clancy and released in 1994. It is the direct sequel to The Sum of All Fears, 
Uh, in this novel, Jack Ryan becomes the national security advisor while a secret cabal of Japanese industrialists seize control of the government's uh, of the go- country's government and wage war on the United oh, States. Cabal out here. I know. The book debuted at number one on the New York Times bestsellers list. It was later noted as containing plot elements similar to the circumstances of both September 11th and specifically the hijacking of the United Airlines Flight 93. Mm-hmm. So this book got like extra burn in like the mid 2000s they like oh my god Clancy Clancy knew so they took him out uh, the novel received positive reviews uh, publishers weekly praise Clancy who quote spins a story uh, spins out story threads in rich but bewildering tangles of mm-hmm. plot and setting then vigorously weaves them together here the heart stopping climax is unexpected but oddly appropriate mm-hmm. however Christopher Buckley a reviewer for the New York Times called the book a <laughs> I want to say a herniating experience, mm-hmm. uh, criticizing its quote racist depiction of Japanese characters and I judging bet. that it was quote as subtle as a World War II anti-Japanese propaganda poster. I bet. Uh, so these two, th- there's your timely reviews for this novel. Um, yeah, Tom Clancy. I read a Tom Clancy book when I was younger. I didn't enjoy it. I gotta be honest, my entire Tom Clancy reference is all like video, video games. games it's all yeah. Rainbow Six and on. I, it was my thing. Yeah. I, don't, I don't remember which one I read. I don't remember if I finished it. I was, and to be fair, I was like young. Like it yeah. was probably, if not around this time, it was definitely in yeah, the 90s. Yeah, we, we were 8 and 94, right? So, yeah. That would be about the time, because I was, that's, I'm getting pretty close to reading it in 94. It was probably like 95, 96 for me. Yeah. Um, so I'm not scared of a big book, and I like a war book. I found my experience when I was reading Tom Clancy, like, I need, in, in a, like, an international spy ring military story, I actually need less. Mm. Because here's the thing, I like, like, the intrigue and the plots and the twists and turns and the geopolitical implications, but what I don't need is 19 pages about how a fucking ballast tank works. Way too much technical detail about, like, <laughs> technical military gear maneuvers and, like, all the yeah, night yeah. sight and how it was, mm. and it's just, it was too much... I could see for somebody who's into that kind of shit and wants to hear, like, guns and artillery jargon and is like, oh, that's interesting. The same way I would like it if they were, like, name-checking yeah. 1970s martial amps in a book or something like that. But, yeah, for me, it was a little jargon-heavy for being young. It would take me out of it. There's a guy, and this is real heavy book talk here. Uh, when I was deep in my thing where I was trying to get hard books. I'm only getting hard books to read. Like the toughest, most challenging books that I can find. Oh, I thought you meant like I'm only doing hard covers and I was like, when the well, fuck was that? No, no, no. I got, I had, I had, I had one of those periods too. Uh, but no, I was like for, like for material, like the books that people yeah, yeah. have a hard time. I don't know why. I just didn't read no middle of the mall shit. No middle of the mall stuff, right? Uh, so I got into this book called Orpheo by Richard Powers. And Richard mm-hmm. Powers is notorious for having these super dense, like, Text accurate. So if he's writing a book about the medical field, it's going to use all medical terms, and he's not going to dumb any of it down. If it's a book about the computer field, it's all cool, cool, cool right? <laughs> and, I, and that was the thing. I remember reading this book called Orpheo, which is about music, right? So mm-hmm. it's so I'm getting it. I'm like, oh, this is what a crazy book. These guys writing. He's, he's a madman, this guy. And then I tried to read one about computers. I'm like, oh, this is brutal. I can't read any of this. Mm. This is tough. Can mm-hmm. you, an explainer? And some yeah. Bill Simmons footnotes at the bottom. To I like a little. I like like a, a a book directed at somebody who's got a specific hobby. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I would definitely be interested in books about anything pertaining to the world of like being a musician, or, like live shows or touring. Yeah, that would be an extra hook for me right off the yeah. bat. Well, this one also is a fiction book. It's not like a story about like a musician. It's yeah, no, I yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, give me the fiction, but make it accurate. You know what I mean? Um, I didn't put this in earlier. We didn't talk about CM Punk coming back. No, you didn't bring it up. I was surprised. 
I didn't think it was mainstream news. I mean, I thought it was mainstream for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that like ESPN was going to cover it. I'm just reflecting on all the other WWE things and all the wrestling uh, things we've talked about over the time. <laughs> it's <laughs> well, I, was, I only bring it up because it's like I appreciated what they did, where it was like it was the worst kept secret of all time. Mm-hmm. We're gonna do something that everyone knows we're gonna do. And we're all excited for it, mm-hmm. but no one's saying it, and we're just gonna let it happen. Mm-hmm. And it was worth it. Yeah, and very rare. That's it. That's all I have on that. All right, definitely uh, worth a watch. If you've ever liked pro wrestling in your life, or you've ever been kind of interested, definitely worth mm-hmm. watching the video of the return on YouTube. Oh yeah, you like a happy crowd. I like. A, I live for a crowd pop. Anytime I see happy crowds, it's got like eight million views over like two weeks. Pretty wild. People for them. are into it. Uh, Alright, here's the thing I was into this week, actually. Uh, in my time thinking about gardening. I'm thinking about gardening a lot recently. Because oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, like, we have a friend, our good friends have different types of gardens around their house. And mm-hmm. I was thinking about, because you bought some cherries last week. Yeah. I was thinking about, can you grow fruit in mm-hmm. New York? I assume you cannot. Because mm, of the climate. Sure. Boy, was I the wrong. Big apple, baby. Big apple. The big apple. Well, that's true. We got apple trees everywhere. So I found a list. This is from fourwindsgrowers.com. So I don't know. This is where I found it. If you want to go look for yeah, the yeah. research. Uh, Shout out to our partners at Fort Wayne. <laughs> they're not paying us for it. This is a list of not, fruit trees. They're going to be paying you. They're not paying me. Uh, they, these are fruit trees that you can grow in New York State. Obviously, Kev, you hit it right off the bat. Uh, apples, obviously. I've done a lot of research into this subject. Mark uh, my words, you'll be able to come to my house at some point and eat off my fruit trees. Uh, plum trees. Mm-hmm. Like plums, particularly something called the Italian prune variety, is very well suited to this climate. Mm-hmm. Cherries, which surprised me. Specifically, the sour cherry, the Montmorency cherry, which mm-hmm. is the most cold, hearty recommendation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also grow Bing cherries or other cherries, but they don't get as sweet because there's not enough heat in the not air. Enough heat, yeah. Uh, pears, which I guess makes sense. I always assume that if you can grow apples somewhere, you can grow pears somewhere. I, I used to have a neighbor with a pear tree when I was a kid. They, when they said grapevines, I thought they meant grape leaves. Well, I'm like, well, yeah. No, Literally uh, forget. Yeah. I, I'd say the same thing. I was reading one of these things. The same thing. I'm like, oh, grapevines. There's like, oh, grape, grapevines can only grow in certain places. And I'm like, no, they're everywhere. Everywhere, well, yeah. Back it's covered. No, but yeah, this is more like Finger Lakes, Lake Erie region. We all the wine regions you can grow. Mm-hmm. Long Island, I suppose. Uh, blueberries. Apparently, mm-hmm. something I did not know you could grow here. Uh, figs. I know somebody actually making a mint off blueberries. Really? Like paying for their whole life off blueberries. Huh. Yeah. Smart. Weird. Weird. What? Uh, fig trees. Mm-hmm. Avocados, which is a weird one. You cannot. It says here that growing avocado trees in New York is incredibly difficult as you need year-round sun and cannot withstand the regular freezing temperatures. You can grow them indoor in pots, mm-hmm. though, mm-hmm. Uh, and if you can provide enough space for the root system. Right. So, theoretically. And then citrus trees, kind of the same kind of thing, right? You can... I'm definitely interested in if I when I if I have a place that gets enough sun in the south facing window, I would like to have an indoor lemon tree. Mm, lemon Get tree, like a Meyer lemon, lemon tree. Yeah. They say Meyer are great for inside. They look cool like citrus trees. You can just pop one up in the house. That'd be yeah. I'd be into that. Either beers or Thai limes. Mm-hmm. Kale Mondin, whatever that is. Kale Mondin, mm-hmm. sure. Meyer's lemons, which I see all the time, and kumquats. Yeah, so there you go. Meyer lemon, uh, a little sweeter. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep. Some people don't like the Meyer lemons. People don't care for the sweetness. The Meyer lemon, uh, useful in specific craft cocktail making. Yep. Some people like to have a Meyer's lemon. There's a difference with some recipes. Quick food news while we're here. Uh, A new study coming out from the University of Michigan has found that eating a single hot dog can take a... Well, I'll let you guess. How many minutes of your life does a single hot dog take off, according to this new study? Probably quite a few. Yes, it's quite a few. Mm. I I don't know. Uh, 30 minutes. 
36 minutes. A single hot dog takes 36 minutes, potentially, off of your life, according to new research from the University of Michigan. Uh, essentially, it's, uh, you know, every gram of processed meat is like 0.45, you know, 45 seconds or mm -hmm. whatever it is. And uh, when you add everything all together, that's what you get, right? It's not mm -hmm. just the meat. It's also the sodium and all the trans fatty acids, and they add that up into a number. Mm -hmm. My question is, if they have just this list of foods that add and delete numbers from your days, mm -hmm. just give us the list. We'll just mm -hmm. eat all the plus foods, right? Nobody gives a shit. <laughs> like, really? I mean, what do you... Like, do people... It's not... They've been saying stuff like this forever. No, people still eating hot dogs. Uh, and in the opposite story, and Kev, I think you're totally right. People just giving up. Uh, are you ready to try the newest uh, food trend? Eat square eat, which is just a nutrient square flavored like different things. It looks like a bar of soap. You can buy that now for food. It's just squares. I don't mm. know how else to describe it for you, Kev. Mm. Food squares. What are your thoughts? Um... If it, like, works the way they say it does, you get all the nutrients you need or something like that, yeah. I could see where for somebody who has a bad, um, a troubling relationship with food, right? Like somebody sure. who maybe, like, just overeats like crazy or people got... I can see where it could help people, especially if it's somebody trying to lose, like, a significant amount of weight or something right. like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it seems very strange. So, they are ready-to-eat 50-gram packages or squares that you can buy in packs of four or six and have delivered to your home. Mm -hmm. They can be eaten hot or cold, heated in a microwave, mm -hmm. or frying pan, and they come in a dazzling array of flavors, including mm -hmm. chicken, beef, asparagus, peanut, sea bass, and salmon. Yo, come on, sea bass? <laughs> Uh, they take are drawing. Your, take your sea bass pill. They are drawing comparisons to dystopian TV shows like Snowpiercer or Soylent mm -hmm. Green, which had similar concepts. I tried to be open-minded about this. I really did. Mm -hmm. And you know, folks, you can go to the Verge, is the website I'm looking at that's writing this article. They put a picture of some of the options, and it just does not look appealing. I'm sorry. It looks mm -hmm. like you're eating a bar of soap. I it, mean. It, the know? sea bass square, it's got fake grill marks on it. Come on. Have you ever seen... <laughs> Come on. There's, there's a subreddit called Forbidden Snacks. Yeah, Forbidden... I just... I didn't, if yeah. you've never seen it, you should go. <laughs> um, yeah. You know what, though? That's a great point. They're trying to get out of the Tide Pod market. This is Tide Pods. But you can eat them. Number one, that's not what I said. Great point, me. It's a great... You're appealing to, like, this sort of audience, though, right? This yeah. Is, this is like meme food. This is... <laughs> I could see if this if this stuff works, I could see it having a useful place in a lot of people's lives. Yeah. Not gonna be for everybody all the time, but like if you're somebody who you know what I mean, like be the nature of your job or something you do don't have time to eat, or somebody trying to like get off of like addictive food behavior or stuff like that, I could see, but it, it boy it seems weird. About to throw a couple grill a uh, couple squares on the griddle, Kev. You want one or two steak asparagus? You want a steak asparagus combo? I just no, <laughs> How about a sea bass. No. More than the, I mean, not more than the others. It's all, it's all. Uh, all right, uh, let's do one uh, mailbag question. Uh, not even really a mailbag question. Question I asked Malik, and I think it'd be interesting. When I say to you, music video, mm -hmm. what's the first music video you think of comes to your mind? Um, I, it, it's tough. I maybe like when I come around by Green Day. Mm, when I come around by Green Day. was the first music video I ever watched yeah. of my own accord on like a sick day yeah. or something. Um, 
That's a good one. But That's it's but one. it's tough actually because when you think about think about how many musicians um, that you know about or care about that exist from we'll say like nineteen eighty eight to like nineteen ninety eight, right? Sure. How many of the flash images in your head are of those people? Like I say to you, in sync. Mm-hmm. The first visual that pops into your head is probably from a music video. Yeah. Bye bye bye. You know what I mean? But you're not thinking about the bye 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 video specifically, but so many of the visuals are tied into music videos that it's tough to say. I'm thinking about Justin Timberlake doing the superhero landing on his knee in that one scene and looking mm-hmm. up and being like, ha ha. That's what I'm mm-hmm. thinking. That, again, I was saying this to Malik. Music videos got that funding mm-hmm. in the yeah. 10 years after we started watching. Like, I remember watching like those Green Day videos. It's just like, here's a guy in the street. We're yep. going to tape him. Yeah, yeah. Here's the El Scorcho music video. We're going to put a camera in the center of the room and spin it around, and that's the music video. And we're just going to show all of you. And that's it. Yeah. You know, the, the Bye 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 music video was like a movie premiere. It's, I mean, yeah. to be, no, but yeah, come on now. Because, I mean, November Rain came out before all that thriller. The thriller music Yeah, but video. those feel like different types of music videos than what Green Day was putting out. Those were big oh, time yeah, yeah. productions. But I'm, but I'm yeah. saying like it didn't, the Bye 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 video did not start the, the big budget music video trend. It didn't start it, but I feel like that was the, that and the Britney Spears and became the Backstreet Apex Boys. Culture, that was, it became like yeah. a real arms race. Yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm looking for, okay. I think. that mm-hmm. Just let's get, this video is going to cost this million dollars, right? Like, I always look, it's like the Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson scream video. It cost like five million dollars. Remember that? Not even a good song. Mm-hmm. No one remembers that song. Oh, no, come on, wait. That song's pretty good. It's okay, because no one remembers it. Yeah, well, people it's, don't remember a lot of stuff. They remember a lot of Jackson's hits. They don't remember that. Yeah, well, that's, I that's, mean, it's tough to, it's yeah. tough to surmount thriller, bad, and off the wall. Uh, I sent you the list for the playlist this week. It is a it. combination of stuff with Malik again, so this, mm-hmm. I won't speak for Malik on any of the stuff that he put in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a couple songs I'm just going to highlight real quickly because uh, they're all brand new that I had not heard before this week. One is Meanwhile, uh, lead single off the new Gorillaz EP that came out this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, second one, Believe What I Say, which I feel like is the closest to a banger this new Kanye album's got. Mm. And then uh, the song Blackout by Turnstile, which uh, a friend of mine told yeah, me I should be go listen to. Big Turnstile guy now. Yep. Yep. What Big a time, time to be alive. It's great times. Uh, Kev, anything you want to... I know I did sprung it on you, but... um, You did, yeah, a little bit. But let me pull up my... Let me fill a bus while I pull up my thing. Because I just made a list. Funny, we were talking about finding new music. I went through a website that I think is all right. They had, like, here's all the releases we're excited for this month. And I cribbed mm. a couple of the singles they were talking about off each one. to be like, oh, let me check out all this new stuff. Um, and so, as I say that, there's the playlist I found. Let me see if there's anything I remember enough to put on here. Yeah, right yeah, on yeah. The top of my head. Uh, and again, you can go to Malik's, you know, I'm not going to go through Malik's music. He knows better than I would, and he can talk to you about it on his podcast, Against the Algorithm, so you can listen to it there. Yeah. Um, boy, good question. There was a band I heard uh, called Sincere Engineer. I thought mm-hmm. it was kind of cool. I'm going to put one of their songs in there, probably called uh, Coming In Last. Mm-hmm. And, um... I'll probably put a cake song on there too. Hey. Because actually I listened to that sixty songs that explain the nineties podcast and they did the distance by cake inside cake cakes. on the brain. Yeah, cake is good shit. Yeah. I always love cake. Mm-hmm. You know it's funny. You know, maybe I'll throw a boys and men track on there too. Oh, there were no boys. boys to men. I love boys. It. Uh all right. Folks, that's it. Thanks to Malik Gale against the algorithm podcast. Season seven is in full swing. Check him out on all podcasting platforms. You can follow Kevin at underscore Kevin Sullivan. You can follow me at SF Doom or just follow the show at Uticast. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify. Uh, that's it. Where else? Other stuff. All the platforms taking over the web. 
Sayonara, humanoids. Keep it tight. It's stock lives. The tape machines are rolling, and we are desperately out of time. We will see you next week for a very exciting, very special episode of the Uticast. Oh, yes. Take care, folks. See you then. We'll be right back.